This is the Final Third Podcast, a soccer podcast that talks about everything that happens outside of the 90 minutes, from roster construction and transfers to soccer culture, politics, and business. On today's episode, Everton, the Club World Cup, and the U.S. men's national team being a part of the Copa America. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Final Third Podcast. It's another Monday, it's, which means we're back to talk about all the things that happens off the field in the soccer world. And boy, are there a lot of fun things going on and some, I guess, not fun things depending on what team you support. Uh, but for me, I'm AJ Tapura and I support West Ham United, which is yet to play at the time of recording. The U.S. national teams, which had two, I mean, their January camp games, can't really complain, I suppose. Uh, as well as Minnesota United, which is, uh, I guess, playing friendlies right now because it's MLS preseason. And I'm joined by a dude who is happy to see Juventus, Liverpool, and Arsenal all lose in one weekend. It's Jack. Jack, how are you doing? Yeah, doing doing good. And also happy to see Atalanta win That's and true. AC Milan lose, Roma lose, Lazio draw. It was it, it worked out very well in Serie A because yeah. you know there was there was no none of my favorite team. Uh, in England, Chelsea playing because uh, well, we don't talk about the FA Cup third round. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, they're, uh, but Atalanta were playing and they won and they're Good in third you. or fourth now because Lazio are ahead on goal difference. But yes, we'll, we'll get them. We'll get them eventually. Uh, and I'm also a fan of Minnesota United U.S. national teams. And I don't think I'm missing anything. French national team, if you want to throw that eh. in. All right. It's take it or leave it at, at this point. It, <laughs> it, it, it's I, I'm I'm not so sure about that. I it was more for the meme because in 2018 I didn't have any team to support when I started watching yeah. the World Cup, and so yeah. mm. I mean you're also like a French speaker too. So yeah, it, it, so I I care I care about it a little bit. I'm not sure if I like I'm not as invested in that team I guess as the others. Yes, of course, of course. Well, that's nice, and we'll talk about. Uh, at least some of those teams, uh, one more than the other, probably. But we got a, a lot of things to talk about. No, nothing too huge or crazy that, that will take up the entire episode. But you know, a, a couple of really cool stories that we're talking about from Everton to the Club World Cup, which is actually coming up, as well as some uh, hot or not transfers that we'll talk about since uh, some pretty big transfers are on the horizon or have been completed uh, since last time we have talked uh, but as always, Twitter at Final Third Show, we've been tweeting. Jack uh, was on, what is it, the light rail, and you heard someone talking about uh, Greg Berhalter? Was yeah. That what, was that what happened? Yeah, it was about the Gio Reyna drama because yeah, Reyna yeah. had just scored the winning goal mm. in that game. And uh, they were watching the stream of it, and yes. the goal goes in, and then this dude just gets up and yells, Reyna! And then and then and then explains the whole drama to a bunch of people who are like, who's that? And like, so the entire drama gets discussed. And at the end of it, they're like, yeah, Burhalter out. Like, so, yeah, I don't know. Okay. A, a, I bunch of, ask. Yeah. a bunch of Burhalter out fans were created that Damn. day. Wow. Yeah. So the radicalization. I, that's crazy. The radicalization via the Minneapolis St. Paul light rail. Green yeah. line. Yep. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yep. Well, that's what U.S. That's soccer awesome. needs to be worried about. That's what they've got. That's where they've got to get the PR out there. They, yeah, they, <laughs> it's the get Minneapolis the light, light rail. Yeah, yeah. yeah geez, that, that's hilarious. Yeah. So at final third show, finalthirdshow dot com, uh, if you want to find all the places that this episode is streaming on. But yeah, I bet by the time you're listening to this, you're either on the website or 
you have already found a place to listen to, but whatever. Give us some clicks there. It helps our uh, SEO a little bit. Uh, I guess also leaving a review also helps. So you should do that too. I haven't asked that since like September. So go ahead and do that. That'd be awesome. Anyways, uh, Jack, let's get into it. Starting off with, uh, I I guess, honestly, like this is kind of a sad story. I I tried to like find a way to make this like dunking on them. This is kind of... No, I think it's kind of funny. I think it's kind of funny. You're always the first to find uh, find this kind of stuff funny, which is fine because, you know, it is objectively funny in some cases, especially with the manager uh, yeah. that was in charge of West, uh, not West Ham. Uh, <laughs> you're, you wish you wish that this. No, was, I don't. I don't. No, wait. no, no. I, the manager case. You wish the manager. Oh, was yes, the, yes, yes. There I, you I, go. <laughs> I, I wish West Ham would get rid of David Moyes, but I'm talking about Everton, which connection there david moyes was a manager of and he was also uh uh let go from everton so obviously everton has had quite the week in here uh there have been fan protests pretty much all month because of their terrible form they uh avoided relegation last season the 2021 2022 season by the skin of their teeth uh it, it took what was it a, a last some last minute goals from uh against aston want, villa was I it i think uh, it was aston villa i that's that's what i i feel like i remember yeah. but all i remember is that that was the most alive i've seen goodison park in quite a while uh but unfortunately that has not been the case uh right now they find themselves deeply 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 in the relegation zone it was palace uh, by the way I, I i found it it's like palace give palace and aston villa kind of give the same vibes in my head true yeah that's fair yeah you know, I I think of them as as strikingly mid table, which is also where I would put Everton in historically. But that's not the case right now. They find themselves uh, in nineteenth place on only fifteen points, only beating out last place Southampton on goal difference. And Frank Lampard, formerly of uh, Chelsea, as a manager and player, I suppose uh, he was heading the the team. And after a two to zero loss to the one, the only West Ham United, Jared Bowen scoring a brace there. No big deal. Uh, Lampard was sacked uh, barely a year into his job. Again, he saved them last year, couldn't this year. And that leaves us where we currently are. And so Lampard is out. Bielsa, weirdly enough, wanted to join. Marcel Bielsa, formerly of Leeds United. Uh, wanted to join? Oof. Yeah, he actually, if he were to join, he wanted to join the U21 team until the summer with his staff taking over first team duty so he can give time to, like, you know, get into the role. Obviously, Moshiri, their owner, uh, uh, Everton's owner, was pushing for that because he's kind of, if you know anything about Moshiri, he likes to kind of swing for the fences. So that's that's why Ancelotti was uh, the manager before uh Obviously, that fell through. Uh, speaking of Ancelotti, actually, Carlo Ancelotti, former manager for Everton, his son, David Ancelotti, was also discussed. But eventually, what it looks like at the time of recording, Sean Dyche of for, formerly Burnley is the man for the job. Burnley, who got relegated last season, now Vincent Company is with them in the championship. Uh, Dyche, since the, you know, end of last season has been out of a job so he's here so jack a little bit of like a transfer hot or not but obviously a little bit more expanded 
Lampard out, Sean in. Good move, uh, bad move. Do you think that this is going to lead Everton down a better path, or do you think they have kind of been a uh, curse to relegation here? Uh I feel like getting out of the relegation zone is going to be a tough task. Yes, they're not that far out from it, uh, but I have a hard time seeing how they get out of it. Uh, it does not look like a great situation for them. I think I think Lampard out is probably the right call. I mean, the, the best result they've had in the past year or past season, really, is the uh, 1-1 draw with Man City. Uh, I guess maybe the 3-0 win over Palace in October. Uh, are, are we are we just saying this season? Yeah, or, in this season. Okay. Like, yeah, that's yeah. like... I that agree. May, I guess the draw against Liverpool, that was... I mean, they, they started out the season looking not terrible. Yeah, people were saying, you know, Everton are just figuring stuff out. Frank Lampard just, you know, finding his feet after his first full transfer window. Yeah, like then, I mean, <laughs> the first month went okay. Yeah. Uh up until October and then that hit and then since then they've won one game in the league. Uh it yeah. has not been good. So I think it was it was probably writing was kind of on the wall that change was necessary. Uh it it just wasn't working and I I remember one of our first podcast episodes we did. I was so sad when Frank Lampard was let go. But looking back on it, I feel like he's just kind of out of his depth with Premier League management at, at some level. I think he he's got to he's got to work his way up. Still, he, he there's clearly something that still needs to be done. And maybe maybe it's because you know he you can try and say Everton didn't give him the right like squad or like a good enough. Uh, good enough transfers but i mean they 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 gave they gave some good money over over the course of the summer right like you know you get dwight mcneil you get james tarkowski you get uh you get uh amadou onana you get neil malpe yeah. idrissa gay like those are really good players uh but it's just been misused like it hasn't been clicking, whatever the reason is for that, but it, it was clearly time for something to go. Now, moving on to if Sean Dyche is the right choice to get them up, he did very well with Burnley, keeping them up. And he's worked with, to be fair, he's worked with a lot of Everton's squad because he, he's got, you know, Tarkowski and Dwight McNeil now there. So he, he's got a little bit of familiarity with some players. I, I think that he he could he could do it, but okay. it's going to be close. It's it's <laughs> going right. to be very close, uh, especially because as we're going to talk about, Everton have lost like I'd say their second best player of the season. I'd say second best, uh, but and also probably lost their future for for uh for a player that 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 is has left them but <laughs> oh yeah yeah I, I i also agree i think lampard getting sacked was absolutely the right move i just don't think i i remember that episode where we talk about lampard getting sacked from chelsea i was like this is not a good manager i still agree yeah uh, that's fair about that I, I think we had some reservations still about about Chelsea sacking him. Obviously, Thomas Tuchel ended up uh, proving us wrong there. But 
in this case especially i i don't think i don't think either of us were very high on this appointment uh especially because he went straight from a failure with chelsea to joining another club that was at the same premier league level as as uh chelsea was you know a- everton they might be a championship club, but you'd expect Lampard to be heading down to the championship because it just never really felt like he found an identity that he knew what he wanted Everton to be like. And with the uh, the bad or late substitutions into games and not really changing or inspiring his players, because let's be honest, I don't think he is a huge tactician. I don't think he's a, a man who's really into that amount of tactics i i haven't heard anything of the sorts so if his main thing is like i'm a former player i know how to get these guys up and ready and ready to fight that's also kind of a failure because every time i watch this everton team <laughs> even at the beginning of the season there was kind of a, a laxness that was there that is kind of hard to explain as anything other than i don't think this manager is getting the most out of his players yeah so, i mean yeah. I will say the one player that he got quite a lot out of is Alex Awobi. That's like, that's it. Yeah, that's that, <laughs> like, you know, and, and I, you can point to a good amount of players that I, I think that he has kind of helped grow a little bit. I think. I, I, I guess you can point to like Damari Gray, I, I, I think. Damari Gray has been all right. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, had, he had a pretty good season last season pretty good season this season but other than that can you really yeah. say that tarkowski has taken a step forward old man connor cody has taken a step forward jordan pickford i i don't think so i don't no. think so I I, I I think maybe if you had a, a better manager not not even just as someone who can get results but maybe to manage the team a little bit you wouldn't have as you know now, Anthony Gordon leading for Newcastle United, uh, who I'm guessing you're referring to as the second yep. best player. Yeah. Uh, behind, I'm going to guess, Dominic Calvert-Lewin? Awobi. Awobi? Sure. Yeah. All I right. think he's been the best player. <laughs> All right. Which kind of speaks to how Everton's season has gone. You know, a player who a lot of people thought was done, <laughs> pretty much, or at least playing at the top level, is actually like the bright spot for Everton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's why Sean Dyche could succeed. Yeah, I think that's why he could. He he took a squad that was nowhere near like should have been uh, should have been like up in the top yeah, tier man. of the Premier League, but took them to to like the Europa League. Right, like he got to the qualifying yeah. rounds of the Europa League. That that's crazy for a squad like Burnley to make it there. Did they make yeah. did they make it far? Absolutely not. But to <laughs> even make it there, that's geez, incredible. Like, he he's got Premier League experience. Yeah. He knows how to manage a team. He has a tactical identity. I don't like the tactical identity he has, but he has one. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's a it's a it's a it would I think it will be an improvement. No, it's it's he. We we said this when he got sacked. He he's an elite manager, and Burnley maybe shouldn't have uh, sacked him. Maybe. I but- mean. Looking, looking at them now, I mean. Oh yeah, like, like, well, <laughs> they've they've done yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah, Comp- Com- company is a, a a great manager, but mm-hmm. to be fair to Ushan Deitch here, when you have Ashley Westwood, you know, starting twenty six games, 
you know, Tarkowski's one one of your 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 leading defenders here, right? Jack Cork starting twenty games. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, like it, it's not gonna it's not gonna end well necessarily. No. Chris Wood, Val Veghorst is fine, but again, they're fine, and no wonder they they got relegated. I I, I think there's one one manager who can help Everton. It will be someone as pragmatic as him. Someone mm-hmm. who is known to, like you said, come from nothing in terms of player resources and get something out of them. That's literally all they need. It, does, it doesn't yeah. have to look pretty. It doesn't have to be uh, winning by a lot of goals. It just has to be winning at all. They Yeah, they, they need results. That yeah. That's it. Like they've taken, uh, what, what is this, one point in the last two three months one point in the last three months uh yeah they okay they they need that (laughs) yeah so we obviously you know don't think that everton squad is terrible obviously losing anthony gordon's gonna hurt quite a bit but we believe that sean deitch is a good manager jack can you can you give me a percentage chance of them surviving survive okay so surviving yeah, we have numbers on on five thirty eight. So I want to compare what you have. <laughs> surviving, surviving, yes, without like at status quo, like they get like a caretaker manager type thing. Surviving uh, like that, I'm gonna I, say like okay, almost like uh, survival like fifteen twenty percent. All right, uh, with Sean Dyche, I'd give them more like you know, a 50% chance. Like okay. I'd, 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 I'd say it improves to at least a toss up. All right. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say 70, 30, 30% survival. Okay. Which with, is with, with Deich or? Uh, actually I'm, I'm changing the 60, 40. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and okay. with Deich, I, I think, I think it's a tall task and that's why 538 believes in them less. So they have 68%. Uh, relegation so <laughs> you could do the math 32 I mean, percent survival pure numbers basis if you're going because the way their forecast works is based off of their past games yeah so makes sense yeah uh yeah it makes a lot of sense especially mm-hmm. losing you know what i'm guessing 538 would rank as their best player yeah and, and uh to be fair i i, I don't think that transfers even completed yet so if they have any player forecasts within their uh within their probability system and their simulations that's not even taking an account of that so for all we know it could be closer to 72 73 percent relegation chances so everton are are in a dire spot obviously uh on the field uh but the same could be said off the field as well and despite the easy change that could be made on the field you know getting that that manager boost someone that's very pragmatic changing ownership which is a large issue within everton continues to be an issue uh earlier this week the athletic uh talked about how well she was close to securing a deal to sell some of his shares to investors who could you know help complete funding for the club's new uh stadium uh in in the docks of the liverpool area and help boost its commercial prospects uh, this actually came after it was reported that moshira is going to sell the club outright to maybe former sports agents such as jeff morad and his businessman partner jam uh, najafi 
who were named by Bloomberg as being interested in a stake in the club on Thursday uh, through their investment firm, MSP Sports Capital. All this is from a reporting done by The Athletic, uh, so much so that the two of them attended a match against Southampton, uh, which, Ooh. you know, they got a, a tour of the key sites in Merseyside. And for some reason, we're still interested in buying Everton <laughs> after seeing not only that, that terrible game, but also... Merseyside. Um, hey, they scored a game at least, or a goal in that game at least. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> what, what was it? A one-one draw? No, it was. A, it was a one-two loss. But... Oh, you know. <laughs> Great. Yeah, Great. I, I'm, I'm. I'm still. I'm. I'm shocked that anyone would want to buy yeah. Everton right now. It feels like just such a risky investment. I mean, sure, you've got some reach with name recognition, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but. but- with the with the large possibility looming of dropping down to the championship, yeah, I don't see how anyone would want to take on what they have right now. You know, a mm-hmm. club that is putting how how much is the stadium costing? Like, at probably a a billion, I'm guessing at least. The the numbers that I have, I could look it up, but the numbers that I w- was seeing was like north of seven hundred million. I mean, yeah, so seven hundred million. Like, they're investing that much in a new stadium. Uh-huh. And they might be dropping down into a league where yeah. they will not have as many eyes on them, will not have as much of an opportunity to make back those that uh, that money. Man, it, it just looks bleak for Everton. Yeah. Like Sean Dyche is like a small spark of color on an otherwise black and white canvas. Yikes. Uh, and yeah, it is not looking good for them. Uh, just the entire situation around the club. Yeah. I mean, the the way that Anthony Gordon leaves too, right? Like mm-hmm. how he how he is like, yeah, no, I don't, I I literally do not want to be here. Mm-hmm. I would rather be in Newcastle than be here. Yeah. Like, and that's his boyhood that? club. Like, this yeah. is the club he grew up supporting, and he feels. I mean, obviously, there's like money involved, but I'm assuming that you know a manager might come in and you know new owners might come in and he still wants to leave before the new stadium's even built yeah he i mean it, it, it's clear that the players don't even trust this right like yeah. they're, they don't have faith in that uh but i mean imagine how bad it has to be for someone who is playing for like the club they've always supported to go and say like nah i'd rather live in newcastle i'd rather yeah. live in the north of england in like a, a coal a, a traditionally coal mining area mm-hmm. of of the country i'd rather live there uh than be anywhere close to here <laughs> yeah and, and I, I looked it up that new everton stadium at bramley moore docks in liverpool is estimated to be around 500 million pounds but as a civil engineer let me tell you <laughs> that is almost n- that's just never the case. It's not going to be 500. If, There's I think, no way that I, that gets finished for 500 million. I think million. my estimate is 700 million is probably what it's going to end up being. And again, th- those finances are not set in stone yet. I can understand if these owners come in with uh, the investment when they have uh, ownership over an already built stadium. Because that, that is capital that they uh, either can throw around or uh, Moshiri could leverage for a higher uh, you know, buying clause, a, a higher price tag. But with all that up in the air where you have this this estimated value of the stadium, potentially not matching up with the costs for uh, the stadium. And again, those costs are probably going to be uh, amortized. So it's not like this is going to be like a one-time, just buy it, but 
you know, spread over the next couple of years, that's going to dig into the amount of money that you can spend in this club. And again, like you mentioned, and is such a huge deal, the income levels of the championship and the Premier League are drastically different. And not only that, not only in the television, but when you're buying a 52,000, almost 53,000 seater stadium, and you're opening it, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of people for the first few games. But once you get through potentially the, you know, the 46 game championship season, maybe that stadium's not all the way full. And that is one of the biggest sources of income outside of television that clubs have. That's, that, that's, that's a death sentence for clubs to be in that much debt because you have the stadium to not be able to fill it and not have any of the other sources of income be at the same level. It's, it's terrible. But uh, uh, regardless, Moshiri's not saying that he's, the, the club's not for sale. He released a video through Everton saying he just wants to add investors onto the team. Potentially, maybe as an admission that he can't afford the stadium? I don't yeah, know. That, that's maybe sad, I'm reading that's into that sad. too much. Mm, no, that sounds like he's saying, yeah, we need money, man. <laughs> like, Actually, <laughs> I have a quote. Let me read it out to you. The club is not for sale, but I've been talking to top investors, real quality, to bridge a gap on the stadium finance. I can do it, finance the new stadium in parentheses, myself, but the reason I want to do it is to bring top sport investors into Everton for some of the reasons the fans want improvement, more talent. Oh, yeah, sure. That's why. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. yeah, no, That that's definitely why. I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, Moshiri has the money. I'm sure. That definitely sounds like something. Yeah. That that sounds like what I what I would say to to someone who you know like, you know they bought me food and then I'm like yeah no I've got money but I'm just trying to bring in some investors to yeah. help pay back that investment on yeah. on that right like that that does not sound that does not exude yeah. confidence that, that's a press X to doubt moment yeah. indeed <laughs> I think but here's the thing for for me to like be confident in Everton I feel like Moshiri's got to go. And, and, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. Financially, I mean, he's a billionaire, so that obviously helps. But there's been no moment in the last five or so years where I felt confident in Everton outside of Carlo Ancelotti doing pretty well. But the way that he gets really into the weeds when it comes to transfers in, whether it comes to his managerial selections. I mean, let's be honest, Bielsa is not the man for the job, in my opinion. No. Especially for so this either. this nearly twentieth place team, yet that's what that's that was Moshiri's guy, right? The, like like the way that he believes Everton is is a far cry from the position that Everton find themselves in. They need an owner in my mind, a chairman who is as pragmatic as possible. And I I understand that that Everton fans, uh, and. The ownership of Everton don't just want Everton to be a mid-table club but like go beyond that but unless you have the money of like a Newcastle then you kind of have to continue on this like the Leicester City before it all fell apart route of just like slowly building selling off players when it's needed but just like building that that like core infrastructure of a squad and coaching staff and backroom staff to get to the point where you can start you know flirting again with the upper echelons of the Premier League. Because it, it, if you just continually like swing for the fences, 
and you're also a man named Moshiri who has a has a batting average of like point one, <laughs> then you're going to miss the other ninety percent of the swings that you take with players and coaches. Like, I don't know. That's just where where I see Everton. I, I feel like that's kind of the crux of their issues, as well as like a poor manager from before. Yeah, that, something's got to change, Moshiri. Moshiri clearly is not that guy. He's he's not him, you know. No, no, doesn't got that dog in him, you know. He he has he has negative dog. Yeah, the expect the expected dog numbers would 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 make Darwin Nunez cry. You know what I mean? Ah, <laughs> uh, anyways, let's let's move on from Everton. They're in, in dire straits. We'll we'll see what happens there. Uh, but off the field, on the field, there are some issues with some potential solutions on the way. We gave our opinions there. Frank Lampard's not the man. Let's talk about the Club World Cup. Yeah. You know, I I continuously always forget that this is a competition. I until... don't because Chelsea are the okay. are the current holders of it. Okay. The biggest trophy in the entire game, obviously. Yeah, hey, World Cup's in the name. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That makes it the biggest. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, unfortunately, Chelsea, for some reason, are not in this competition. Yeah, I, I can't. I don't know why. Yeah. yeah, but they very well might be in the next one because this is actually the last yearly Club World Cup before 2025, where uh, the new 32 team uh, competition will take place with you know expanded, expanded uh, team bases, I suppose, for, for from each confederation. So increases the chances that. MLS teams, that Premier League teams, teams from all over are able to find representation outside of just the people that the teams that win the the Continental Champions League or whatever you want to call it. So I think that's cool, I suppose, other than the fact that it's going to be very hard for some players to get rest that are in those elite uh, spots. But I also think that the Club World Cup as it is, is just not a very enticing competition to watch. I like to not, watch not it to, until the final, really, or no. the semifinals onwards, really. I like to watch it because I'm a, I'm a soccer sicko. But <laughs> this this uh, iteration is being held in Morocco, which I think is like the cool part of That's the cool. Club World That's Cup cool. yeah. is that you can host it in different uh, different countries. Before it was mainly in Japan and like Abu Dhabi and the UAE, so you know, kind of lame. But you know, Morocco. Yeah. I, I'm trying to see some on the Western Hemisphere. I'm trying to see like. Like, not maybe the United States, but like I'm trying to see like South America hosting, you know, yeah, really, really yeah. get the 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 world part of the Club World Cup in there. Yeah, Alaska hosting—that's what yeah. we need. That's I, what the Club World Cup's missing, Alaska. Yeah, you're, you're gonna Alaska need to, in February. You're gonna need a lot of stoppage time for when the polar bears end up taking. Yeah, polar bears are from the North Pole, right? I'm not confusing. No, they're, they're up, they're around. I think. I they're think they're. There. I think okay. they're chilling up there. Yeah. So for those of you who have forgotten, which is completely fine, honestly, how the Club World Cup in this current iteration works, uh, there are seven teams that enter. So that is six uh, from each of the confederations that exist, the continents, because Antarctica, unless you're going to get penguins to play soccer, uh, do not have a a team there. Uh, As well as, of course, since I said seven, a team from the host country. And they enter at different uh, rounds. So you have uh, Al-Ali, who are uh, from Africa. 
they're runners up of the 21 22 uh confederation of african um, i actually don't know the uh i think it's just caf 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 champions league yeah caf champions league sure 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 uh and you might be wondering why are they there huh what's going on well that's because the actual winners of the caf champions league are also from morocco and since they're hosting the tournament the next uh next birth i suppose goes to al ali there but anyways, Al-Ali and Auckland City of the OFC Champions League of New Zealand. They both enter in the first round. They play each other uh, February 1st coming up. And the winner of that goes on to the second round where they will face the Seattle Sounders of MLS who won the CONCACAF Champions League last season. Which, by the way, I'll always mention, I was there for one, one of their Champions League games against... I'm already forgetting who it was. Clu- was I, it Club Leon? Club Leon, yeah. 3-0 to zero win very very good game very fun they're there uh on the other side of the bracket uh Wydad Casablanca uh winners of the CAF Champions League will face Al Hilal which is again <laughs> one of the only Saudi Pro League teams that we know um interesting to note they actually didn't win the AFC Champions League because weirdly enough the 2022 AFC Champions League final what happened was a postponed until May 2023 due to schedule conflicts. I'm guessing because of the World Cup. Probably. Actually, yes, because of the World yeah. Cup. Uh, so instead of choosing a, a random team, they went with uh, the 2021 AFC Champions League winners, Al Hilal. So they'll be there uh, facing against Casablanca. And then, of course, probably the two strongest federations get a bye straight to the semifinals where Real Madrid will face the winner of that second round team uh, featuring Seattle Sounders. So potentially uh, a spicy matchup there. And on the other side, Casablanca and Al-Hilal will play for the right to play Flamengo of Brazil, who won the Copa Libertadores. And of course, you know, semifinals, you know, final third place match, you know, the rest. So Jack, how do you see this uh, uh, shaping up from what you know? about some of these teams because obviously i'm guessing you don't know too much about casablanca or al hilal take me round by round because you know this is such a tiny <laughs> bracket who, who do you think's making it uh so in the first one uh i tried to do research on auckland city but uh usually i use foot mob they have literally nothing about them which was fun yeah, i bet not uh i i think al ali are probably gonna win that one they're they're a good team uh very solid lots of experience there uh i feel like that's the safe bet on, on that right. but uh the next round i'm gonna say al hilal beat uh why dad casablanca i don't know much about the the team from casablanca but you know they 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 look like they look pretty solid they look pretty solid pause uh, on that for one second uh i don't know if this is a ted lasso uh, spoiler, but wasn't that one guy who was trying to buy uh, that one guy from the team? Didn't oh, wasn't he trying to? Yet. Yeah, wasn't he trying to start like this uh, this mega team oh, yeah. <laughs> from with African uh, players yep. based in Casablanca? I think I think it was. Yeah. Okay. Is I that don't is think, that this? I don't think. Well, Yo. obviously, it's not. It's not like a mega team. Real uh, life crossover. But I, I'm wondering if. I'm forgetting like what the team name was, but maybe it was it was he was talking about this team. I don't know that that, that was just a crazy sidetrack, but 
don't know. That that just reminded me of that. But yes, you, you think Al Hilal is going to beat Casablanca? I think so. I think Al Al Hilal are a very solid team. You know, they they made it to the uh, semifinal last year. Uh, put like actually made Chelsea work for the for That's making true. it to the final. Like they're a solid team. They're second in the Saudi Pro League, uh, but behind Al Nasser. No thanks to CR Seven there. <laughs> Needed to throw some shade that way, but sure. Al Hilal has some great players, uh, and you know, I I I think that that they'll do pretty well in this. I I th- I think they will. And then, obviously, you know, I'm going for the Seattle Sounders and the other one. Okay. They are still missing Joel Paulo, which is still rough for them because you know he he is so important to their team, mm-hmm. uh, but. I, I think they've got enough players to do it. The one thing that makes it tough is that they're out of season. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the one thing that they are at a disadvantage for. Seattle's out of season. Al Ali and Auckland's I, actually I have no idea about Auckland City. Uh but I think they're I I I feel I mean, I'm gonna work off sure. the assumption of Al Ali making making it through. Based off form, Al Ali has that, but I'm gonna I'm gonna ride for the Seattle Sounders. You know, I want to okay. see them do well. I want to see them. I want to see them go up against Real Madrid. I want to see Jordan Morris versus Vinicius Junior. Oh, That's the matchup of the century. Me, bro. You're tempting. Matchup of the century. Oh. The the greatest U.S. winner of all time versus some Brazilian. You know, and I, I don't some know Brazilian Not, guy. Yeah. yeah, barely anyone knows him. Everyone knows Jordan Morris. <laughs> But I, I'm going for <laughs> Seattle Sounders there. Uh, semifinal, it's the safe choice for both of them. But I think it, we're setting up for Flamengo versus yeah. Real Madrid. All right. I, I mean, when has it not been? Like, honestly, looking through each of these seasons, last year is like the is is one of the exceptions. Where or two years ago, Bayern versus Tigres may, uh, yeah. being in the final. That was the and one then, time I've ever pulled for a league MX team. By the way. <laughs> fair i mean there's been there's been some other other times where some non uh some non south american european mm-hmm. teams make it through but most of the time like the european team is almost always a lock yeah right and honestly real madrid against seattle sounders i could joke all i want about that but let's be real real madrid is be is beating them yeah uh if it, if it comes down to it i would i i would i think seattle could get a goal maybe because Real Madrid probably aren't going to use like full full strength for that game. Yeah, but I don't think they're gonna win Seattle. But Flamengo, Sad. I think. Yeah, I think Flamengo should win though. Uh, they're 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 a good team. They've been at this level before. They they are a little bit shaky recently though. You know their form hasn't been amazing recently. Uh, including a 4-3 loss to Palmeiras in the Super Cup yesterday. Right, uh, yeah. So, big thriller there, but I feel like they should have enough to get it done, right? Like, they're... they're they, they've got David Luiz, bro. He He's carrying, yeah, for sure. I was going to sure. say, they have, they have uh, old man Arturo Vidal as well. Yeah, Vidal. They, they have Gerson, for, who played for Marseille for, for a while oh, yeah. as well. Like, wow. They, Dude, you're like, taking they, me back, bro. <laughs> they've got... Is this the same? No, that's a different Wesley. Okay, that's that's a different one. But yeah, they have a bunch of players that uh, also have other. They, wait, they have, <laughs> they have Joao Pe- 
Wait, they have Pedro there? You who played for Fiorentina? Bro, it, it's it's over. They they've got this. They okay. Flamengo have got it. Fair, fair. David David Luiz to score a hat trick uh in that. And uh the final uh I mean Real Madrid. I'm gonna say, I'm yeah, I'm saying Real yeah. Madrid win it. They're probably gonna do it because it's Real Madrid. They're very good. Flamengo is decent, but also I don't think that good. I don't think good enough to beat Real Madrid on current form. Okay, but but well, who's the who's the third place winner? That, that's the spicy bit. Right third now. place team, Seattle. Okay, come on, Seattle. Seattle taking on all heal all. That's crazy. That is actually crazy. I'm so happy. I, I'd, I'd I'd be more excited for unironically would be more excited for that match than the final. I bet, yeah. Like huh. that that feels like a more even match and a and a more fun match than yeah. than Real Madrid versus Flamengo. Mm-hmm. More a political consequence also. So interesting. <laughs> yeah, oh that's that that would be a that would be fun. <laughs> All right. Well, I I'll quickly give my predictions. I think you and I agree on a good amount here, uh but I have Al Ali of course beating Auckland City. Don't need to even explain that. Uh but I also do have them beating Seattle. You mentioned out of season Seattle, but also Alali are, as far as I know, like the most decorated team of all time in terms yeah, of domestic and yeah, continental so. <laughs> trophies. So, and they're doing really good. I think they, yeah, they just had a one to zero win recently against the one, the only National Bank of Egypt. I don't know why they have a team in a in a in the league. <laughs> the National Bank of Egypt, but you know they're first place, and obviously they have literally everything going uh, for them i don't know about their like the player quality but there's also just the time difference egypt is right there in the in the arabic world uh, with morocco on the same continent seattle going from seattle obviously to to casablanca not going to be that easy there's a lot of things going at seattle here unfortunately unfortunately i'll have to go against my fellow that's americans fair. No, that, that's fair that's fair but I think Casablanca can beat Al-Hilal. Not only did they obviously win uh, the CAF Champions League, but they also are on top of the Moroccan uh, Domestic League. And also, they're at home here, you know? They, I'm sure they're going to have tons of domestic fans. I mean, hey, I mean, we've we've underestimated Morocco before in a, yeah. in a World Cup and uh, saw where that happened. Yeah. <laughs> what happened there? Yeah. Unfortunately, the underestimating is going to have to stop there, I believe, because semifinals, I have the same exact results there real madrid flamengo making it to the final real madrid winning obviously third place though i'm gonna go with my boys casablanca i don't know maybe maybe i'm I'm just with the riding with the moroccans hey they gave us a guerre not casablanca but you know morocco (laughs) so i'll ride with them i'll ride with them all the way to third place yeah you know what I, I would be fine with that, too, because of Ziyech. And even though he's been mistreated by, like, every manager said that he, that's yeah. come in, he, he's very good. So, yeah. respect. Respect. <laughs> All right, Jack, let's uh, move on from the Club World Cup and instead talk a little bit about some trivia. This is stat padding. Yeah. Jack, you texted me last night saying that you were really excited, and I think you thought that I would enjoy this one. So why don't you explain yeah what stat padding is and what the theme is because i'm yeah unironically very nervous okay so stat padding is trivia about statistics and this one we're we're taking the statistics part a little bit light on this it's more of a of a history one there's a little bit of history going into this so we're 
so we we talked about this before the show and, and i said that i got this from a tiktok this idea from a tiktok so aj said he had an idea of what he thinks it's going to be so aj what do you think it's going to be okay well if this isn't what's going on right now then maybe we can do this in the future but i've seen a lot of these grid trivia things where it's like there's like three players or no three teams on one side and three teams on like the top and you have to mm-hmm. say what club or in this case nfl team did or no what player sorry i'm getting this all wrong what player played for both of those teams okay why don't you check your uh phone to see what what's been sent over there so you can I- no, this is, oh no. <laughs> it is grid trivia. And across and I selected these teams based off of the oh, top no. three. The the top three you can see are the past three Champions League winners. Okay. Right? So, so we've got Real Madrid, yeah. Chelsea, and Bayern Munich. And then the uh the rows are the runners up in each of those. So we've got Liverpool, Manchester God, City, and PSG. This is terrible. <laughs> so I, I so I, I here I, I have a list of I, I did so much research for this. Some of these have a lot of people. Others, it was a bit of a struggle and I would okay. not blame you for getting some of them. So I, I, I'd say shoot for like, I think seven out of nine would be solid on this. I, okay. I got I got like six right away, but okay. I, I had to reach for a few of the of the other ones. And right. one of them I had to just look up because I had Dude, no chance of getting th- it. But this should be easy, but I'm really scared, actually. And. Let's let's do let's do no repeats because one of them can, one player can be used for six of them. So okay, we're gonna no say repeats, no repeats. We're gonna say right. no repeats. So to to recap for uh, listeners, we have Real Madrid, Chelsea, and Bayern on the top, Liverpool, Manchester City, and PSG on the left. And you can imagine it in your head. Maybe I'm sure three by three grid. Yeah, yeah, it's a three by three grid. I'm sure Jack maybe can he, he can tweet it uh, so people can like play along on Twitter and they don't get people on Twitter uh, to talk about it. The double engagement. <laughs> yeah, the double engagement. Exactly. Uh, so the goal again, get a player that played for both of those two teams uh, where it intersects in the grid. I'm going to go and it can be all time. It can be all time. So, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thankfully, yeah. <laughs> so for Chelsea and Liverpool, I think this is maybe the easiest one in my head, and that's Mohamed Salah. Yep, yep. That that was that was the one that that was actually the second one that came to me. I'm not okay. gonna lie. There there was well, one that came quicker, but And what what is that before? Well, I'm thinking for the next one. Torres. Torres, Torres was my sure. was my first, yeah. Uh I'm gonna go for Manchester City Chelsea. I'm gonna go with Kevin De Bruyne. Yep. Yep. That that's my the first one that came to my mind was Lampard for that, which okay. is awful uh, but <laughs> Bayern Liverpool I'm gonna go with uh Coutinho I think Coutinho. yeah uh yeah that okay yeah that one works I didn't have that one written down but yes yeah. you are correct yeah. with that uh Real Madrid Liverpool dude there, there's there's definitely like obvious ones I was gonna say Suarez that's literally the dumbest thing I've ever thought of <laughs> uh Courtois played for Tottenham maybe he played for Liverpool in the youth right no definitely not uh and this is just senior appearances by the way i'm not yeah, counting yeah, yeah, youth yeah, yeah. appearances okay, okay, yeah okay. real dude, i'm actually i'm actually gonna choke this so hard especially because I, I have to like think through this i can't like it's so much easier okay listeners I, I, i'll have you know 
it's a lot it's a lot easier when, when you're sitting at home is what i'm realizing because <laughs> and, and that was one of the the things that the people on the the tiktok that i was watching who did this today they're like it's a lot harder to do this when you're on the spot and yeah, that's actually yeah. true because i bet if i was listening to this i just know like oh real madrid and psg it's obviously oh it's sergio ramos <laughs> okay well that was, <laughs> that was actually stupid so <laughs> there I you go that's four i'm surprised you didn't go for your guy kaylor navas for that one i i, I, I could have uh but uh one of them's playing and one of them's not, so. Or is, That's no, nov, no, Novice is playing a little bit, I guess. He's playing a little bit, occasionally. Yeah. yeah. I feel like Real Madrid and, like, Liverpool and Manchester City, that, that should, there should be, like, gimme ones here. There, Tony I'll, Cruz, I'll, I'll give you this. Those ooh. two were the ones that I had to really, really, really okay. think about. Bayern yeah, Munich and good. PSG. Uh, oh, no. This should, this should also be a gimme. There's absolutely a player who has played for both teams that is a very big player that i am forgetting uh and that <laughs> is uh kimpembe it, did he play for both kimpembe did not play for both <sighs> no I, I thought that could have been it uh i'll, I'll give you you've got the right nationality oh jeez oh jeez okay no okay so first of all listeners six out of nine is not terrible you're That's... at five out of nine currently though am i at... am yeah I you're at five <laughs> okay you've still got uh liverpool rail uh city rail and then city Bayern, psg Bayern. Bayern. okay well so i need two all right all right uh psg and Bayern, and it's french uh oh dude i'm actually choking all right check i don't know i don't know if i could do this I, I think I'll, I'll have to say five out of nine. I'll have to try this another time. I'll be honest. It's just uh, on the spot. It's very, it's very hard to like. You get can't, your mind you can't right think here. of any more so, of them. Uh, okay. If if you go over some some of the other ones that you came up for the other teams, I'll, I'll try to focus. Okay, in. which which one do you want me to give you one for? Uh. If if how about you give me two hints on the the PSG Bayern and the PSG or the the PSG Bayern and the Bayern City one. Okay, okay. So do you want what? I'll I'll give you nationality and like their position on the field. So like sure, keeper sure. defense. So yeah, uh, PSG Bayern is french attacker winner that uh, that area uh city Bayern is german winger german winger dude i could i could have told you and that. they they uh so i'll give you one more for each one the the one for city Bayern plays for Bayern currently the one for psg Bayern plays for psg currently psg Bayern. or i wait Hold on. Does he? Uh, wait, wait, wait. I want to make sure. I, <laughs> I. No, wait. He. No. He. They both play for Bayern currently. What am I saying? Oh my god. They both currently play for Bayern. Dude, there's a, there's actually no way that I get this. All right. Bro, just think Bayern winners. Come on. Is Kingsley Coman? Kingsley, no, he's French. Yeah. He's French. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so I'm. I'm actually forgetting if he had a PSG stint altogether. Uh, but I'm gonna say him. Yes, he did have a PSG stint, oh, lasting four games from 2012 to 2014. Nice. Uh, some other answers would have been Juan Bernat, 
and Eric Maxim Chupomoting. All right, cool. Those, uh, those are the other two. That's all I could find between those two for like known players now. All right. And you said the other one's attacking? Yep. Attacker? Attacker uh, for Bayern, German winner. Okay, I have two in my head. One of them's, one of them's Gnabry, and the other one is oh, just left my head. Uh, Leroy Sané. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah, no, Leroy Sané. Leroy Sané. It is, it is Sané, yes. Okay. It is okay. Sané. So what is that, seven? Yep, All that's right. seven. Screw that's you, seven. listeners. Screw you, listeners. Uh, <laughs> Liverpool. Okay, may, may, maybe I just go for this real quick. I, okay. I don't want to drag okay. this on too long. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, Liverpool, Real Madrid. Uh, 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 gimme. I'm going to go with seven out of nine here. Who is the Real Madrid City player? That, that's that, the one that I could not find for the longest time. I couldn't. That's the one that I could not think of. And it was the ones that I found were Anelka, who who worked okay. for six of these because he played for Liverpool, City, PSG, Real Madrid, and Chelsea. Yeah, uh, what a guy. Um, Adebayor, he played for City sure. and Real Madrid, and Robinho. Those are the three that I could find. The other one was like Steve McManaman, I think, was the other one. Wow. And I knew... I. I knew for a fact that there's no way that that would be one. But, you know, seven out of nine with a little bit of help. Not too bad. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's tough. It's tough to do it. It's tough to do it on the spot. It's, you know, Jack, just for that, next week, I'm doing the same thing to you. We're we're turning snap heading around (laughs) just because I need you to suffer the same fate. Okay. Okay. (laughs) What's the theme going to be? I don't know. But I'm telling you, Jack, next week, I'm forcing you to do that, too. Oh, man. Okay. I'm telling you. That's I'm only fair. You. That's fair. It's only fair. It's only fair. All right, Jack. Let's talk a little bit something else. I'm sure I'm going to edit that down. Listeners, <laughs> maybe you did better than me. I thought I thought for being on the spot, I did okay. I did okay. It, Bayern took a little bit because, you know, I don't really think about Farmers League, but, you know. Wow, yeah. wow. Wow. Really dissing one of the most successful European clubs like that? Yeah, yeah whatever, whatever, whatever. They screwed me over. Actually, no, Real Madrid screwed me. Yeah, over. no, it was Real Madrid. Let's <laughs> let's place the blame on Real Madrid as yes. much as possible. Yes, because U.S. soccer kind of been making some moves recently. Kind of crazy. Kind of cool. Kind of not cool, depending on who you're where you're coming from. Because the 2024 Copa America, Jack's coming to USA. Yeah, Ecuador. Very cool. Ecuador, which was initially slated to host the 2024 Copa America, opted out of hosting the tournament in early November. For Conme Bowl, uh, who hosts Copa America, moving the tournament to North America made sense logistically and financially. Obviously, the U.S. has the infrastructure and resources to host the tournament tomorrow, if need be. And Brazil, who Brazil and Argentina, who arguably could have been the same. Uh, let's just say that there's some political strife going on in Brazil and in South America as a whole. They've also, you know, hosted. The last Copa America, you know, don't want to see it again uh, so soon. Uh, so it's coming to North America. Obviously, we have the stadiums, the infrastructure, but we also have what's nice about America, an immigrant population who will no, no, no doubt go out to watch the games. No specifics yet, but we have the host stadiums, uh, which are, you know, it has to be a, over 50,000 stadiums. NFL or college football v- venues were primarily the list. Got, you know, stuff like the Rose Bowl, uh, MetLife Stadium, which uh, will be hosting the final, uh, Levi Stadium in San Francisco, which we hope hosting the, the opening match. 
Energy Stadium in Houston, Lincoln Financial Field, Philadelphia, Gillette Stadium in Foxborough, Massachusetts, Lumen Field, Seattle, Soldier Field in Chicago. So kind of nearby if you if Jack, you want to start playing for 2024. Uh, Life hosting the final is sad. I can't lie. Uh, there, you know, I, it makes sense because it's in New Jersey, whatever. But New York City is also right there. Kind of still in New Jersey, man. I don't uh, know. Could you imagine that Messi playing at the Copa America and then being like, man, got to go to New Jersey now for this? <laughs> All like, right. I don't know. Something feels off about that. Yeah. If it was up to me, it'd be in the Rose Bowl. Everything would be in the Rose Bowl. I love the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Uh, the last venue, by the way, is uh, Camping World Stadium in Orlando. And yeah, not again, not many details known yet in terms of the logistics for the tournament, but we have some qualifier information. Obviously, it's the Copa America. All 10 South American teams are going to be there. But six CONCACAF teams, including uh, not the USA, because the USA is going to have to go through the qualification process like everyone else. How it's going to work? It's going to be through the 23-24 Nations League, I believe, or the I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting uh, how, how those line up. It's the uh, Nations League. It's yeah, it's the it's next the Nations League. Yeah. By the, yeah. So I'm guessing if they keep it to what it is right now maybe that the, obviously the top four winners and the next two best runners up maybe maybe there's a, a second tournament there but usa likely are going to qualify so that's kind of cool we'll talk a little bit about that in a second but beyond this i mean concaf and culminate bowl are and it's not just the mls league mx that are teaming up there it's concaf and culminate bowl because the the concaf women's gold cup is going to feature four teams from south america now which is nice because i'd love to see you know brazil argentina chile uh, up here in USA, up here in uh, Mexico for for the, this Gold Cup. Uh, and they're also starting, literally not a lot of details on this last one, tournament with two men's clubs from each confederation. Hmm. What that's going to be, shrug emoji, I don't know. But Jack, Copa America, and still details to come out on the CONCACAF W Gold Cup, collaboration between the two Western Hemisphere confederations, your thoughts, good, bad? What does this mean for the USA? Because we can talk about that later, but I don't know. What are your thoughts? I think it's cool. I think it's great to get more collaboration here. Uh, build soccer in, in in the U.S. Uh, get a, get a lot of stars, uh, you know, coming in from South America to kind of show show off. I mean that that's awesome. I I think I think you know this kind of partnership is great. I want to see more of it in the future. Uh, and I think I think it does mean a lot for the U.S. to potentially be competing a lot on this because a lot of the complaints that people get with the U.S. men's national team is like, oh, we're playing the Nations League games or, oh, we're playing the Gold Cup games that that doesn't give us competition against like huge teams like like potential World Cup challenging teams. Right. The closest we get to that is in World Cup qualifying, where we'll face Mexico a few times mm -hmm. and face Canada a few times. But this is an opportunity to see, like, you know, Argentina, the current World Cup champions, uh, to see Brazil, uh, to, to get to play against teams of like that quality. And that is huge. Mm -hmm. You know, I, th I think that that is great. And opportunities like this, the U.S. should be pursuing that. And also, same for the for the uh, Concacaf uh, W Gold Cup, right? Yeah. The 
having having teams from South America come up as well. I I I think you know That's a lot awesome. of it's a so lo- cool, right? A lot of the complaints that the the women's national team has been getting is like, why don't we play against teams that are like you know on a higher level instead of instead of playing playing against like you know Portugal a bunch who are improving but still not like a powerhouse or anything like this is a chance to play against brazil uh for for that that that's awesome uh i i think it's great and it i, I want to see more of that kind of stuff mm-hmm. because you know uh the collaboration between between these two federations i think it could be really fruitful for for both with you know all the money involved for potential uh for for people and also just for the audience that it gets yeah I mean, absolutely. Uh, speaking first on the W Gold Cup, I, I feel like for the U.S. Women's National Team, a lot of the complaints are playing away from home and how we don't do that enough. As far as I know, I guess I'll have to look it up. The 2024 W Gold Cup is going to be held in the USA. Uh, I guess we don't know yet. Oh, yeah. Host country, United States. Never mind. Ugh, duh. But that being said, it will still be nice to get the likes of Brazil, Colombia, uh, and Argentina, who make up 9th, 27th, 29th on the FIFA World uh, World Women's Rankings, respectively, which is higher than the third-place team in CONCACAF Mexico, which is at 35th. So so already, like, you are increasing the competition level um, like, amazingly. And if we're thinking about the next team, Chile, they're 38th, which is just after the fourth-place CONCACAF team, Costa Rica. So you are looking at a very, very good uh, level of competition, and not. And this isn't just like a friendly tournament, like the Allgrave Cup or the the She Believes Cup. This is like a competition for silverware that is continentally world recognized, and that is a big deal. And what that means for these women's national team is that not only are you trying to win a trophy. But when you are continuously trying to raise your level, when you know that other women's teams from around the world are also raising their level, you know, what is it? You, you, you sharpen your teeth on meat, uh, steel, sharpen steel. I don't know how, how these how these things go. But I, get is, you, I get what you're saying. Yeah, that, it's just incredibly important, especially when you have these great crops of women, women's national teams coming up not just in South America, but especially in, in Europe and Asia and Africa for, for all that matters. If, if we are just going to stay within the confines of North America for this month-long competition, you know, it's cool. We can test it out, but we know that USA and Canada are ruling this, this, this continent. The same can't be said about the men's team. So this, I feel like, is even more important for the women's team than it is the men's team. Now, for the men's side... I'm also really excited. Uh, I think that this really heightens our ability to play at a high level. Everyone else has said it, everything about it. You have said everything about it. The one thing that I do like, and I don't give compliments to CONCACAF and Comebol a lot, but I do have to compliment them on how they thought about this entire process. Not only is, you know, obviously it makes sense having the USA for this, for this iteration. That is honestly maybe the right move, especially with Brazil having hosted last time. Like, I was really worried because when people talk about this, they're very exclusionary about it. I was really worried that it was going to be like, all right, let's invite the USA, Mexico, and Canada, and Qatar because we want more money. 
but to be like we want to have like a legitimate qualification process where any team in North America, as long as they're good enough and make it maybe to the Nations League A uh, this time around, can make it. So for all we know, we, we might be seeing the likes of El Salvador, Honduras, Costa Rica, probably, uh, but even like, you know, Panama or Jamaica, if they, wanna, if they want to try their hardest at it. I, I take a lot of issue when people discuss this Copa America and say like, oh, the USA just needs to like leave co- these concaf minnows in the dust, whatever. Like we need to, we need to go to Copa America. And I'm like, yeah, well, wouldn't it be nice if we do that, but also try to help these other countries so we can do what the U.S. Women's National Team is doing? And when we play these teams, they get better, so we get better. You know, we can hopefully we get better at a higher rate, but we don't want them to just like be excluded from this great opportunity to like strengthen themselves just because we want to, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. to have like this, a legitimate qualification process, I think is cool. But J- Jack, the, the question I wanted to ask you, cause this has kind of been some discourse on Twitter as everything always is. Uh, but this is being hosted in the USA. My personal take is I want Copa America to be where it is supposed to be in South America. I think people who want the USA to strengthen themselves. They, I mean, it's cool that it's, it's in USA. I, I'm going to maybe try to f- go to the Chicago game, wh- whatever team it is uh, that's there. But there are some people that are saying, like, the USA shouldn't be, be hosting this because it takes away from, from South America. Yes, we have an immigration, a, a, an immigrant population, but Copa America should be in South America. That's where it deserves like this is it would be more beneficial to south america than in the usa do you have any thoughts on that are you are you with me or or do you think like it's whatever i mean to a certain extent i agree right like it it it's best to have it in like a place where the fans of those teams like the south american teams are able to easily travel to support their teams i i don't think that's going to be necessarily the case in the us the one argument i can see where why uh Conmebol was so down for it is world cup preparation right like they Ooh, get to yeah, they get right. to play in the stadiums like you list off the stadiums a lot of those are world cup yeah i stadiums, need to think about that yeah right so i feel like part like they're they're probably like yeah we would really like to have it in south america but also this is an opportunity to get our players used to playing in that environment and strengthen our chances at the world cup in general mm-hmm. i i think i could see i could see that going through their minds being like it, that 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 could be a legitimate reason for it i would prefer for it to be in south america as well it's cool that it's in the u.s but i it's definitely there's got to be both sides coming together and saying that that yeah. they want it there and i think that's conmable's big reason for it yeah that they they're they're essentially doing recon uh for, for it and uh <laughs> hey, and getting ready yeah right good like i mean us. yeah it, i i it, it gets us uh you know us used to playing on on uh on the on the soil although we already do that a lot but playing mm-hmm. in those venues specifically is good and then you know it's good for for carnival to to get into it i but the the one thing is like you know some of these stadiums are 
awful to get to from like major areas like foxborough get out of here bro that's yeah, that's not even that's here. not even in Boston. Like that's not even Boston. No, it, it's absolutely not. It, it's it's forty five minutes away, and there is not a solid transportation line there. Mm-hmm. But hey, maybe that will convince them to create one. That would be kind of cool. Hopefully, you know? hopefully. I don't know. Uh, but like MetLife, yeah, I guess it's close to New York, but it's still kind of far away. So. I, I just hope that there's a plan yeah. to make sure that the fan experience is there as well. Yeah, and, and I, I completely forgot about the World Cup being in 2026 also here because you're right. Like, it's not like traveling all across the nation is easy, especially in a tournament setting. Right. So it's it's hard for for MLS teams, you know, for for. Mm-hmm you know players like steven gerrard to travel from la to new york not saying that that's going to happen like every single time they have a group stage game i'm sure it's going to be lumped together i hope so god yeah (laughs) but still like that that does take a little bit of preparation so if you have like all the world-class players that are going to play two years later there and you know like oh well we're going to hear this is kind of like what i need to expect that's a really big deal uh my, my hope is though and i think we'll end it off here is that I think it's really important if the USA wants to continue to improve to play away from home. Mm-hmm. And that means no, that I the agree. Copa America needs to return to South America. Um, I think, I think the only tough thing outside of that is I would really want to make sure that the six concaf qualifiers, that kind of format sticks because without even experiencing it yet, I think that's a great way of doing it. I think it's oh, the yeah. most fair. Qualify based off merit, yeah, for yeah, sure. Based off of merit. I guess the I guess the only issue left is just financially. It's it helps Conmebol Bowl a lot, right? That's why the Concacaf Gold Cup is still in the USA no matter what. Because right, it's these these confederations. Weirdly enough, that don't have a lot of money. I'll be honest. That's why they have to accept a lot of bribes because they <laughs> because they don't have a lot of money so but then that gets into like the you know savior complex like the usa shouldn't have to you know quote unquote save the south american countries by you know providing them the finances like we should be help help supporting them regardless uh and have it hosted where it is the most humanizing to the fans in south america but we'll talk about that also eventually once the Copa america comes around but there's a lot of like logistical things here. A lot of things that will affect how the U.S. women's national team and men's national team expand, evolve, and how, like you said, these South American countries will evolve as well. All right, Jack, let's finish things off here. Transfer hard now. We got four quick transfers here uh, to talk about. And as always, listeners, Jack's going to say if the transfer that I explain is a hot transfer, if it's good for players and or clubs or if it's a not hot transfer if it's for one reason or another not a great deal for either side so we'll start off with a u.s men's national team favorite weston mckenney getting the getting the almost confirmation here moving from juve which is a club that jack doesn't like to leeds a club that jack also doesn't like yeah he's gonna it's tough it's tough out there huh yeah it is it really yeah. it really is now, now you know how it feels like to see christian pulisic on chelsea yeah me. i don't know it's only there a matter go. of time before he goes to leeds at this point it seems I don't know. exactly exactly 
Well, to that point, he'll be moving with U.S. men's national team teammates Tyler Adams in the midfield, Brendan Aronson, and American coach Jesse Marsh. It's a loan deal, but a buy option of $30 million plus bonuses uh, from Juve will be triggered if he makes 10 appearances for Leeds, and Leeds avoid re- relegation. So, not, I mean, it's difficult from a team standpoint, but I think he'll make 10 appearances, and I think... You know, he's going to play a part in them not getting relegated, but that's kind of out of control. So, like, he just needs to get 10 appearances and hopefully the team does the rest and he'll move permanently. He had 13 goals plus 18 assists in all competitions since 2020 for Juve. And so, Jack, uh, Leeds United States of America, is this move hot or not? Uh, this is a pretty hot transfer. I think, I think Leeds kind of need that. Uh, that kind of impetus from the midfield a bit more because they've got some decent forwards who can do some stuff, who can dribble around and stuff. But you, you, they, you've got to get that driving force in there, especially from the way that Marsh is having him play. And I think that this is really solid. Uh, you know, I, I, I think before the 15 point deduction, every U.S. fan would have been like, yeah, he, he should stay with Juve. But after mm-hmm. that, I think people are starting to feel like uh, I I think I think I'd rather have him build up the chemistry with uh with Tyler Adams and and Brendan Aronson because that that it's great for Weston McKenney I think I think it's also great for Leeds they're kind of borrowing some built-in chemistry that already exists yeah like that that's great stuff and I think for Juve it's it's pretty bad for them because let let's face it like Juve fans can try and say otherwise but Weston McKenney is the best midfielder they have. Uh, I don't. Okay, well, I don't believe that, but uh, you can believe that. I mean, we're talking about a team who just uh, had Monza, a newly promoted club, do the double over them in Serie A. And I don't know, their their midfield of, I mean, Rabio is pretty, is getting better. Leandro Paredes is all right. I think Weston McKenney is pretty solid in there. Yeah, I, I mean, I, you're also looking at Paul Pogba, who's been injured, but, you know, he's there. Locatelli. Okay, he's there. Paul Pogba is theoretically there, but let's let's. He might be it, a like, figment of our imagination. Yeah, like point. maybe the real Paul, Paul Pogba was the friends we made along the way. But uh, maybe. I, th- I think Wes McKenney for Leeds, great. For Juventus, a little bit colder. I mean, if if he gets a permanent transfer and they get 30 million from that, I mean, that's a that's a hefty profit. I think like 22 million in profit we're, mm-hmm. they're looking at. So. Not too bad. Yeah, I I agree with you. I'll push back on on the Juve thing. I think I think it is a hot transfer just because they are so in dire straits. Like we, we talked about no, last fair. last week, two hundred fifty million in the red is not great. So any bit that they can get is good. And I think at least from my point of view, I don't know if other U.S. fans agree with me, but like I kind of always thought that he was going to leave eventually because of their financial situations. He's one of the younger players. He's one of the most, like, not necessarily key players that they push on with the still the most potential. I think they're going to keep Locatelli despite him being also in that, like, youngish range, 25 years old. So, I don't know. Uh, I think it's great for him. He said that that built-in chemistry, not only for Leeds, but for him, you know. If, if he and Tyler Adams play day in, day out, then maybe you get like that Bayern Munich, Real Madrid kind of effect where all these national team yeah. players are playing for the same team. They go into the U.S. and they just they just click. 
And this is going to be a, the partnership that's going to be with the USA for years and years to come. Really, really cool. It sucks that he's going from a Champions League level team to a, you know, Premier League mid-table team, but... Well, Juve might not be a Champions League <laughs> level team for... Uh, that is actually true. I, that's, that's true, but, you know, they were, so maybe you'd want him to move to another type, like that kind of level of a team. But at the same time, like, Leeds are going to be going against the likes of City, Liverpool, Chelsea. It, they're not going to be missing any competition let's just say ty adams and yeah. uh, weston mckinney and for Leeds, i think it's really good not only is he an amazing midfielder but he upgrades their midfield which i think was mid at best roca is okay but to have tyler adams and weston mckinney i think is huge they just brought in a club record signing Jorginho Ruter, which i guess that that's the record would be broken if Weston McKenney joins permanently and uh center back Max Maximilian Wober Wuber, uh, which I think are good additions. And I think he would really like, round their transfer window out really, really well. Will they uh, avoid relegation? I don't know. I, they pay people a lot of money to try to predict that kind of stuff. So <laughs> I don't know. Speaking of relegation, let's talk about Anthony Gordon leaving a relegation uh, headed club Everton to Newcastle United. We talked about it a, a little bit before, but this is 40 million plus 5 million add in add ons for the 21 year old winger. He has seven league goals thus far in his career. He's leaving his boyhood club. Sad face. Jack, is this transfer to Newcastle hot or not? Pretty hot transfer, uh, not for Everton, for Everton, like freezing, honestly. Like, yes, they get 45 million plus bonuses, but given our conversation about Moshiri, how confident is anyone that that's going to be put to good use, that 45 million? I'm, I know I'm not. I, I think for Newcastle, this is pretty solid. You know, they're, they're going to get a very, very... I mean, a very young player, but also one with a lot of potential and has shown a lot of promise, I think, so mm -hmm. far. So I think that this could be really good for Newcastle, especially like, yes, Joe Linton has improved, but I, th I think this is a chance to improve on that kind of position a little bit. Uh, and Joe Linton is better in the midfield instead of being played on the wing or up front, we've found out. So, yeah, I, th I think this is pretty solid. Like, I... I, I think Newcastle is going to be pretty happy to win the race for this for Gordon since a lot of other teams were in for him. You know, Chelsea were were in. I think I want to say Arsenal might have been in for him as well. But, uh, you know, Newcastle getting him is huge. So another big boost to their prospects mm -hmm. for this season. I, I'm so glad that you said that because this might be the first time we've done a transfer hot or not where we have disagreed on multiple Ooh, okay. points with the transfer so far because i think this is actually a relatively good move for everton like this is like a this is like oh, a, a, a warm... oh you think the opposite okay yeah okay because i don't think he's very good and i know it's gonna <laughs> that's bite kinda me in fair. the butt that's kind of fair <laughs> i don't i think it's gonna bite me in the butt uh in a couple a couple of uh seasons maybe maybe a couple games i don't know but 40 plus 5 million is a lot of money for a 21-year-old who did okay, but for a bad team. You know what I mean? And That's fair. No, that's fair. I, at no point has have I been like, Anthony Gordon is like a standout player. He deserves to like move to a bigger club. Like you would think like in the early days of Zaha, 
you think of like Zaha maybe, right? Where he he he's a he's a a, a good to sash great player for a, an okay to bad team. I don't think about it that way with Anthony Gordon. Okay, like I, at all. That that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I also think Newcastle. I mean, they got money, so I can't really complain about that, you know. And I think Jolinton's a fine player. Almiron is the other winger right now. He's also he's a great player right now. Yeah. Uh, so I can't really complain. I think this is a good move for him. Sucks that he's lo- leaving his boyhood club. Sucks that he basically burns that bridge because Everton fans hate him right now. Oh yeah, hate oh, him. You can't, yeah. I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine the kind of kind of vitriol he's getting on social media if he's still on it. Uh, but oh, I can't imagine he's looking much at that anymore. I, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Eddie Howe, though, I think could do a, a lot better with him than Frank Lampard because he that's that's very fair. Yes. Under same of the year because he turned Almiron into like prime Iniesta pretty much, and like Jolentine's looking good. You got you got Nick Callum Pope Wilson good. looking Callum good. Callum Wilson, like this is Daniel Bro, Fabian Schar. Fabian Schar yeah. looking like looking like Sergio Ramos out there. Exactly, like, it's what crazy. The, what the it's heck crazy. is that? No one so, thought. No one thought this man was going to do that. But yeah, which which I I guess helps your point. I I think I think he's going to be fine for Newcastle, uh, but for Everton, I I think if it was any other team, they wouldn't have gotten forty plus five million. Oh, that him. that's. I mean, Chelsea were going to pay like sixty well, million for him. Like, you know, Ch- Ch- Chelsea would pu- would pay a hundred million for a Big Mac, bro. I'm telling you. <laughs> Todd Bully goes up to the McDonald's counter, a hundred dollars. Give me your finest hamburger, please. Yeah, yeah. So whatever, we'll leave it th- at there. How about Caicedo to not Brighton the. Uh, Brighton player right now, central midfielder, said on Instagram, actually, quote, I'm proud to be able to bring in a record transfer fee for Brighton, which would allow them to reinvest it and help the club continue to be successful. He hasn't moved to a new club yet. He's just he just handed a transfer request through Instagram. (laughs) Arsenal have submitted a 60 uh, million pound bid to sign Moises Caicedo as a new midfielder. Uh, Chelsea had also a 55 million bid that was rejected. Uh, Arsenal are like kind of the leading ones right now, but a lot is still open. That's why I didn't say a team. I'm just saying not Brighton. So Jack Caicedo to Arsenal or maybe Chelsea hot or not hot. Uh, I think for Brighton, like if he, if he does transfer, I think it could be pretty hot, especially if like, we're talking about Arsenal breaking their transfer record potentially for a player yeah. here. Like they're, I mean, their former transfer record was seventy-two million on Nicolas Pepe, which uh, happened. Uh, but we're talking like seventy million plus like ten million in add-ons here. Like that—that that is massive. And, yeah. And given Brighton's history of how they've been using their money, you know they're going to use that to like turn out some some more good players uh Caicedo very very good player I think Arsenal would it would be a great sign for them because uh you know as a bunch of my my friends who support Arsenal say can't rely on Elmeni Elmeni and and Lakonga as our backups plus prayers like that's not that's not a plan so that I I think like this this has a lot of potential the way he's doing it though cold 
cold. Like it is, it, it is not a great <laughs> handle in this situation. All, I agree, yeah, yeah. It, like he should, he should be like way more respectful. I feel like to to Brighton for for this, but like if you if you're not getting the transfer request, don't go on Instagram and be like, hey. I'm giving you money, bro. Get, give me up, bro. Get me like, out of here. Yeah, like, no, that's not the kind of... I'm gone. Yeah, like, that's, that's not said. the kind of attitude you want to bring in. Uh, but, and also, like, uh, three hours ago, Fabrizio Romano says that the 70 million fee with add-ons was rejected immediately by Bryden because they don't think it's enough. Mm-hmm. Like, Caicedo's great. 80 million plus worth? Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm not 100 percent certain about that. I think 45, 50 million is, is like solid. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about like Brighton are. If Brighton do this, they're they're gonna milk it for all it's worth. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a little cooler for Brighton because yes, they're getting the money, but they have lost a lot of players, and even though they are looking good now. There's only so much you can take with like constant reinvestments and changing the side because they all right. th- throughout the, this last year they lost Daniel Byrne uh, last winter transfer window, Eves Basuma in the summer, uh, Cucarella obviously to Chelsea, Tr- Trossard just recently, and Neil Mape also in the summer. So I don't know. Th- th- there's a lot of movement going on here, but he's extremely solid central midfielders one of brighton's best central midfielders right now like you said it will be super hot for both arsenal and chelsea i think i think it's a little cold for 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 brighton here i i'm not saying this is the end end of the road for them but like they can't keep on losing like key players key players entire backroom staff their head coach yeah (laughs) that's a lot that that's a lot but I'm not saying that because I'm hoping we could finally beat them because Lord knows we won't. <laughs> oh, that's right. Won't. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Uh, how about Dan Juma to Tottenham and not Everton? He scored two goals this season, but 10 goals last season. He completed a medical with Everton uh, to join from Villarreal, but it looks like Lampard sacking kind of spooked him and Tottenham kind of you know, gazumped it a little bit. They're like, hey, we're interested in you. And he's like, okay. So he joined Tottenham on a loan. Jack, is the winger joining Tottenham? Is that hot or not? First of all, let me say, the fact that it took that for him to be scared of Everton. Yeah, not the pun. <laughs> yeah. I, I got to question some things there, but no, he, I mean, extremely solid player. Great in the championship, did great in La Liga, did not as great in the Premier League in the in the 14 appearances he made it back in 2019-2020 but you know like this is a really good player like Champions League uh last season six goals in in, in all of his games has Villarreal made it to the semifinals like he is a, he is a very good player uh and also I, the the thing is like I'm not sure how much they needed this position because he's been playing more through the center recently. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they've got Harry Kane. They've got Richarlison. If you're planning on putting him out on the wing, that's that's good because Kulusevski and son Kulusevski has been in and out with injury. So you kind of need someone else to to fill that in. I th- I think it's a good deal for a loan, you know, to to have that to get some more attacking options up there, maybe increase some competition and 
hopefully get the best out. Right? For me, selfishly, I hope that it doesn't work out. But for Tottenham fans, hopefully get more out of their waiters this season. Yeah, I think that is the issue with Tottenham. Luckily, it's on loan. They don't have to buy him. Right. Uh, I think it's cool for Villarreal because I think he's a pretty good player for a club of their stature. But I also think there's a hint of cold here throughout the entire transfer. And that's because I, I think there's a little bit of an ego on him. Apparently, I was looking at some of Villarreal's comments, like fans of Villarreal, and they were, they were kind of complaining that once it was known that he wasn't going to be like the out-and-out starter, he kind of raised the stink about it. And he's not going to usurp Kulisevsky or Kyungmin's son. He's going to have to sit with Tottenham. And yes, he, like... If he joins them permanently, it's going to be like a much higher salary and all that. Maybe he can like swallow, swallow his lumps and be fine with it. But at the same time, like, is that the type of player that you want on your team if he's just going to start complaining right away? I'm not saying this because he ended up not joining West Ham last summer, because <laughs> even though he was uh, it's not linked revenge. to us. No, nah, yeah, yeah. All, I, all I'm saying is that he would have started for us. That's all I'm saying. That is all I'm saying. Uh, but, you know, how much does he add? And also, if that's the way that his mentality is, and maybe his mentality has led him to only scoring two goals this season in 14 matches, then I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it just it doesn't seem like a, an, an incredible match uh, for him and for a bench role for Tottenham. That's all I'll say. I'm a little cooler on it. I'm a little that's cooler no, that's on some of these transfers but with that jack let's end up this hot transfer it's a little bit long but also i'm probably gonna end up at least five minutes of me just freaking out during uh during that during the, the grid the, trivia yeah i'm making you do that by the way I'm making you do that oh man i'm gonna struggle as well and i'll see how it how it is then yeah i'm looking forward to it all right jack uh let's end this off why don't you tell people where they can find us on social media uh, they can find us on Twitter at Final Third Show, and they can find us on Instagram also at Final Third Show. But really, we just use Twitter. Instagram's more of a backup at this point. Maybe we'll get into using it again one day. Uh, so you might as well follow us on there to in case we ever do. Yeah. FinalThirdShow.com as well for all your needs uh, with, you know, our show. Where to find us, social media all of that jazz. Anyways, we'll see you guys same time, same place next week for another final third episode. Tell your friend about the show. Tell your dad about the show. I'm sure he'd love to hear about Everton, uh, Club World Cup, all of that jazz. And yeah, new episode next Monday. See ya. Bye for now.